All right, Rebbe, say good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning. Sure to thank all of our Talmud Torah sponsors, Baruch Hashem, for the month of Elul, Shindin Avram Kelman, in honor of Yechil's engagement, to Alana Thalik, in memory of their parents, Jerome and Bernice Kelman, and Alexander and Frederica David Zichronim Levracha. Barak, Maya, Sandy Hafman, Dora, Limos and Avi Malamid in memory of Ruvain Ben Emanuel Zichron Livracha and Dayal and Sarah Steinberg in the Zichosavarafoshalema for Shulamis Bas Susha and for her continued health. Dafyomishir in the Zichosavarafoshalema for Yehuda Ben Micha. We thank all of our Tamatora sponsors for their incredible generosity. We thank our week of learning sponsors, Matt and Diane Marks. On the, on the, on the, on the occasion, the celebration of the birth of their grandson, Yehuda Yeshaya ben Moshe Elio. We hope that in the merit of the Talmud Torah, baby Zochem Yerat Hashem to grow. Torah to Chupa and to Maisim Tovim. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors today, Matt and Rishona Leibovitz, in honor of Matt's father's birthday, Mr. Mark Leibovitz, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, Shanim Tovos. Well, so with that, let us begin. Oh, Hashem, so beautiful to see so many, so many, so many beautiful sponsorships. Well, so with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Nun Vav, 56. So we actually left off, I realize we should have gone one more line, yeah, two more lines yesterday. But all right, we left off three lines up from the bottom on Nun He Amadeh's 55B. Just to reorient ourselves a little bit. So we began, this sugya began on the bottom of Nun He Amad Aleph 55A. Where the Gemara quoted the position of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. What did Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah say? That a woman is entitled to a ksuva at different stages. So from Irosin, from Irosin, she's entitled to Iker ksuva. So again, primary part of the ksuva. For a basula, 200 zuz. For an almona, 100 zuz. And any tosefes, any supplemental amounts, she only becomes entitled to as of when? Only as of Nisuin. Nisun. The Rebbe said, interestingly enough, interesting enough, the Gemara says what Rebbe Lozab and Azariah's position is predicated on is the concept of Umdina. What's Umdina? I think the way we translated it yesterday was assumptions based on normative human behavior. So the Rebbe Lozab and Azariah is like, look, a man will be willing to commit to Iker Ksuva at Irisin, but Lamaisi is not going to be willing to commit to larger amounts until after Nisun. So the Gemara then quoted, the Gemara then quoted, Two opinions, Rav and Rabbi Nasan. One said that the halacha is like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. One said the halacha is not like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. The Gemara understood that that machlokas is based on whether or not you accept the principle of umdina. That's what it said. And the Gemara wanted to suggest, the Gemara wanted to suggest that it must be Rabbi Nasan who holds like Rabbi Lazar, because Rabbi Nasan holds of umdina. So the Gemara, okay, with the Gemara prove that. Just giving you the whole background. Then the Gemara said, well, one second, Rav doesn't hold of Umdina, and then the Gemara went through this exhaustive process. So obviously that's where we left off. And the case we left off with yesterday's daf was the interesting case of a Shechiv Meira, who goes ahead and makes a deathbed gift, utilizing both mechanisms, the mechanism of a Shechiv Meira, as well as the mechanism of, the mechanism of Kenyan. So he quoted the opinion of Rav, and then the Gemara was saying, and Rav said, Rav said, what was the point of this? The point of this was that right, the Matna Shriv Meira was to go ahead and utilize gift giving without Kinyanim. So why does he use a Kinyan? Ultimately, in order that what? That even if he recovers, the gift should stand. 
Here's where he left off. Shmuel, where Shmuel says, Lo Remember again, Shmuel said, I don't know what to do with this gift. I actually don't know what to do with this. In other words, I don't know how to look at this particular gift. Is this gift to be viewed as a matna shchidmira, or is it to be viewed as a, as a, we'll call it a healthy person's gift, a normal gift, to which the Gemara says, Shmuel says, I don't know what to do with this, because maybe the shchidmira only had in mind to convey this with a shtar. And remember again, there is no shtar after death, right? In other words, you can't convey anything through a shtar after the death of the individual. Ella, so I will say, here's the point. Here's the point. Well, what, what was the point of, this, of the entire Amr days? The point of the entire was to highlight to us that Rav himself does hold of Omdina. That, that was the point in all of this. Rav does hold of Omdina. So therefore, both of them subscribe to the concept of Omdina. So therefore, the opinion, i.e. Rabbi, right? The opinion who says that makes sense. I will say one more time. Rabbi Lazarus Azariah holds of what? Holds of what? Iker ksuva payable as of? Erisin. Right? Right? Good. Tosefes ksuva payable as of? Nisuin. Based on what? Assumption regarding normative human behavior. That a person is not going to be willing to commit to additional amounts until after Nisuin. So now everyone agrees with the concept of umdina. So fine. So the, the opinion who holds that the halacha follows the walaza ben Azariah, that makes sense. However, the Gemara says, Man domer ain't halacha. Now we'll say, so how do you justify the opinion who holds that the halacha doesn't follow Rabbi Laza ben Azariah? To which the Gemara says, Hachanami umdun daituhu. Now we'll say, could very well be that there's also an umdunah play. There's another umdunah. What's the other umdunah? Mishum ikruve daituhu. Vaha ikrava le daita. They will say, this is very interesting. Why, why is it that a man pledges Tosefes? Right? Think about it just a moment, right? The Chazal instituted a Ksuva, right? And they instituted a Ksuva amounts. Why would a man pledge Tosefes? And what's the answer? The answer is because he wants that to engender a certain level of marital closeness. That, that's the idea. He wants his wife to see, I'm not going to use the word love, right? Because, because love doesn't necessarily, but he wants to see, he wants his wife to see that she is important to him. Right? And she, he wants her to feel connected to him. So the notion that he's going above and beyond and pledging even more money establishes a closeness. So I will say, again, it's quite possible, therefore, that he would commit to that even as of when? Even as of Aresin, since Lamaisa, since Lamaisa, that would engender the closeness. Okay, so I will say, so the point over here that the Gemara is making is that the Machlokis Rab and Rabbi Nasan, as to whether or not the Halacha follows Rabbi ben Azariah, has nothing to do with whether or not you accept or reject the concept of umdina. Why? It sounds like everyone holds of umdina. Everyone holds that in halacha, in halacha, we make certain assumptions based on normative human behavior. Everyone's agreeing to that. That's not the machlokis over here. The machlokis over here is just almost like a machlokis says, why is he promising, why is he promising the extra, the Tosefes Ksuva. So one opinion will say, Lemaisa, that's a reflection of the heightened level of relationship that is affected by Nisuin. And therefore, it only comes into a thought by Nisuin. The other opinion will say, no, that's in order to create a closeness. And therefore, he wants to create this closeness even as of Arison. Okay, 
says the Gemara, yeah, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see the Halacha Lamaisa. We've actually seen this Halacha Lamaisa, but I'm going to show it to you again in just a little bit. Yosef Rachanina Kamid Rabbianai Bekamar, Halacha Belaz Ben Azariah. Rabbi Hanina was saying before Rabbi Yanai, and he said, the Halacha Falls Belaz Ben Azariah, namely, that a man is chayyif for Tosefas as of Erosin. <laughs> sorry, a man is chayyif for Iker, Iker Ksuva as of Erosin, Tosefas as of Nisuin. Amr Lei, Puk Kari Karech Libra. Literally, most of what that means is get that out of here. In other words, take take that teaching, take that teaching, and take it outside the base medrash. Ain alocha kravalazar ben azariah. The alocha does not follow kravalazar ben azariah. Our Rabbi Yisrael Bravdim Mishum Rabenu halocha kravalazar ben azariah. Okay, so both of you have these conflicting opinions. Rabbi Nachman or Shmuel halocha kravalazar ben azariah. Rabbi Nachman the day Amar ain halocha kravalazar ben azariah. So both say a lot of back and forth. As to if we're passing the Kabbalah of an Azariah or not. For our doim, which made Rav Nachman army, Halacha, Kabbalah of an Azariah. Then our doim, named Rav Nachman, said that Halacha in fact follows Rabbalah of an Azariah. The Afagav, Dilat, Rav Nachman, called Dayan, and Dayan, Kabbalah of an Azariah. And even though Rav Nachman himself was listening to this, you, even though Rav Nachman cursed any judge who passed like Rabbalah of an Azariah, nevertheless, so and so should happen to him if he follows Rabbi Lozab and Azariah. Nevertheless, the halacha is like Rabbi Lozab and Azariah. Rabbi Lozab is very interesting. You don't find that phrase in Gemara too often, which is really quite interesting. The practical halacha is Rabbi Lozab ben Azariah. So they both say, so therefore, again, this is the end of the sugya. And the sugya ends off by seeing say that the, the halacha, in fact, does follow Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, not the Tanakhama. And therefore, a man is only obligated in Iker Ksuva as of Erisin. And the obligation for Tosefes only comes about as of Nisuin. As of Nisuin. So I both say, I want to clarify this halacha because we, we, we actually spoke about this, but this is very important. The Rambam, the Rambam in Hilchos Ishos, Perik Yud Halacha Yud Aleph says as follows. Let, let me tell you it outside. And then I was like, see, when you read this Gemara, when you read this Gemara, so it sounds like when does Suva take effect? When does Suva take effect? Erison. Right? Now, I was like, now remember, when you couple that with other things that we've learned, remember, how does the Gemara define what is a Suva? What is a Suva? It is a Tanai Beznin. Because it's a Tanai Beisdin, does it have to be written? No. Remember, we saw this explicit Mishnah. Even if you did not write a Ksuva for your wife. By the way, this, this little Chazar is not going well, right? As well as I say, so even, even, even if you go ahead and you, you don't write a Ksuva for your wife, the Ksuva obligation is there. That's what it means that it's a Tanai Beisdin. You didn't write a Ksuva. You don't believe in Ksuva. You're a conscientious objector to Ksuva. That's fine. That's fine. But Mike says it's a Tanai Beisdin. So if you get married, it's there. So I will say, the Rambam points out something very important. Chazal only instituted Ksuva from Nisuin. The only way there's going to be a Ksuva from Erisin is when? Is when? if husband goes out of his way to commit himself. In other words, you could commit yourself to a ksuva from Erosin, but when does the Tanai Beisdin kick in? And I will say, by the way, in order to commit yourself to ksuva from Erosin, what do you have to do? You have to record it, you have to write a document. But if you don't do anything, when does the Tanai Ksuva, when does the Tanai Beisdin of ksuva kick in? 
only as of Nisuin. This is very, very important. So when we have these discussions, this is what the Rambam says, listen to this. Hama'aris esa'isha v'kasa If a man does erisin and he writes a ksuba for his wife and they haven't had, they, right, they haven't gone into the chuppah, so they haven't had Nisuin, so ultimately, again, what's the halacha? Emes ogersha gova iker ksuba She only collects iker ksuba. Iker ksuba. But if you did Erisin and you did not write a Ksuba and then they get divorced or he dies, there's no Ksuba. So I'll say this is incredibly important. So really the way you have to look at this halacha is in stages. Ksuba is tonight basin. Tonight basin means that whether you did it or you didn't do it, it's the, the, the halachic obligation is there. But the tonight basin only kicks in as of Nisuin. As of Nisuin. And therefore, as of Nisuin, if a woman is widowed or divorced after Nisuin, what does she collect from her ksuba? What does she collect? Everything. Everything. Eker ksuba, tosefes ksuba. There is no default ksuba as of Erosin. The only time you'll have an Erosin ksuba is when husband actively writes, goes out of his way to write one for his wife. Aye, so now if husband actively writes a ksuba for his wife, and then dies or divorces during Erosin, now we pass in like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. So what does she collect from Erosin? Only Iker Ksuva, only the primary amounts. Even though during Erosin, he wrote two amounts. He wrote, I'm giving you 200 zos Iker Ksuva, 500 zos Tosefes Ksuva. If she is widowed or divorced from Erosin, all she collects is Iker, does not collect Tosefes. That's Talach Rabbi Very important clarification. Good, let's go back there. So, why Rabbi Nichnis al Chopa? So, we'll say, so now that we've established that, that Allah has a Kabbalah ben Azariah, and therefore Tosefes amounts are only collectible as of Nisuin. So, some interesting cases. Why Rabbi Nichnis al Chopa velo Nivala, Mahu. They will say, what happens? What happens if she enters into the Chopa and there was no Bia? So, I'll say, so just to illustrate this case, right? So, what happens? They have Chopa, they have Chopa, so they go into the Chopa. After the Chopa, they get into a fight, right? And then what happens? They get divorced. We've already got the minion here. Let's just take care of this now, right? right? So they earn it. You don't, I mean, you don't need the minion for a get, but the money, so, okay. So, right? So, whatever, it was a bad fight, right? So they go ahead and they get divorced. So, I will say, so now you've had chuppah, you've had nisuin, but no bia. But no bia. So the Gemara says, mahu, chibas chuppah kona. So, I will say, when we say, when we say, so now let's take a step back. What was Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah? It's really such a fascinating sugya. Rabbi Lazar, all of these are building on each other, which is really quite interesting. So Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah said, husband only commits to the Tosefes as of when? After Nisuin. So I'll say, what's the logic of that? The logic of it is that, that, that heightened level of commitment comes from a heightened level of connection to his wife. Right? So the shayla is, what is it that affects that heightened level of connection? Is it chuppah or yichud, bia? Bia, which, which, which one is it? So the Gemara says, Mao, chibas bia kone? Is it, I'm sorry, chibas chuppah kone? Is it the fact that ultimately, again, they sit under the chuppah together, that heightened level of connection is what allows him to commit himself to Tosefes? Or chibas bia kone? Or I will say, ultimately, again, is it the heightened level of connection as affected by the bia? So which one is it? So Tashma, the Tanya Rabbi Yosef, Shiloh Kasavla, Ella Al Chibas Laila Harishon. 
Shabbos is interesting. So Yosef says, why does a man commit himself to Tosafes? Or the Tosafes, is, is, he commits it to, as a result of literally the love engendered by the first night. So what does that mean? If you say it refers to chuppah, then I both say that's why it means the first night. But if it's chibas bia, so ultimately, by the way, the notion of chibas bia or chibas chopakona, we're going, this is all an umdina. This is all an umdina. We assume that husband's commitment to tosefes is ultimately based on a heightened level of relationship. So we're asking, is it the heightened level of relationship as affected by chuppah? Or as affected by bia, so the Gemara says, "I am retchivas chivas bia kona bia laila harishon isa mikan ve'elech lasa." So Rav Yosef says, and again, if you say so, if, if saying so, Rav Yosef is a different girsa. Rav, Rav Yosef says a husband commits himself to tosefes based on the heightened level of relationship of chivas laila harishon, the love engendered by the first night. What does that mean? So if you say it's referring to chupa, makes sense. But if you say it's referring to Bia, they both say Bia doesn't always occur on the first night that they're married for a variety of different reasons. To which the Gemara says, So Bia Laila Harisha Isa Mikanda Ilach Lesa, so then Bia occurs on a subsequent night. So we'll say it must be when Rav Yosef says what Rav Yosef is speaking about is what we call Chibas Chopa. That it's the it's the heightened level of connection affected by standing under the chuppah together that allows the husband to commit himself to Tosefes. The Gemara says, one second. Chuppah ba'alayla yifzeh b'yemama lasa. It's a second wide line. But I don't understand. Is there only chuppah at night, not chuppah by day? Ulatamech. But I can say the same argument the other way. Bia ba'alayla yifzeh b'yemama lasa. Is there only bia by day? I'm sorry, only Bia at night and not by day. Salah Gemara says, Ha'amrava, we've actually seen this Gemara before. Ha'amrava, im haya bebayis afel mutter. The boss says, an incredible halacha. The boss says, the halacha is that one is, one, if one is going to be intimate with one's wife, one has to do so in a darkened room. In a darkened room. The boss say it's an amazing, amazing thing. What's, what's the logic behind that? Chazal were concerned that ultimately a man may see something not attractive about his wife, and ultimately, again, that'll go ahead and ruin their intimate bond. So we'll say, it's such an incredible musr. What Chazal were saying is, every person possesses physical imperfections, right? Every single person. Every single person possesses physical blemishes, right? So Chazal were so concerned that even though a man may find his wife so beautiful and so attractive, if he sees that one imperfection, if he sees that one blemish that could ruin, that could ruin their intimate lives, we'll say it's fascinating how that concern only goes one way, right? It goes from men to women. It doesn't go from women to men, which, is, which again, says a lot. I mean, it, it, that, that, that's actually quite logical, that men are much more shallow in this particular area. So Lamaisa again, so therefore again, Chazal were so concerned about this. Chazal were so, it's amazing, Chazal, Chazal wanted a couple to have a healthy and robust intimate life. And they were concerned about things that could ultimately detract from that. So the Gemara says, Bia doesn't have to occur at night. 
Bia could occur by day as well. It just has to occur in a darkened room. So the Gemara says, Halukasha, Orech Ara Kamash Malon. That's right. I say, but, but again, the Gemara perhaps is just saying, Rav Yosef is just saying the normal way. And ultimately, again, under normal circumstances, the Bia Balayla, more often than not, Bia occurs by night and not by day. Ela, Chopa, Kasha. So Gemara says, Chopa Nami Lo Kasha, Kevan Destam Chopa Lebia. Kaima orech ara kamash on the balayla. We'll say chupa also, even though chupa could be done by day, chupa is often done at night. Why? Because since the natural progression of the marital union is chupa, and then again, of course, the celebration and then the bia, ultimately again, chupa is often done at night as well. Stefan, we'll say, interestingly enough, the Gemara doesn't seem to resolve this particular issue. So it's just interesting. So now, after we establish that the halacha falls of Allah and Azariah, namely that a man only commits himself to Tosefes, as of what point? As of what point? Nisuin, the shayla then becomes okay, as of what point in Nisuin? In other words, we're accepting the premise of Umdina, that ultimately, that, that, that commitment to Tosefes is a function of a heightened level of connection. So now the Gemara says, is that the heightened level of connection of Chuppah? Or is it the heightened level of connection of Bia? So that the Gemara doesn't seem to, the Gemara doesn't seem to resolve. So the Gemara goes weiter. Bay Ravashi, Nichnes al Chuppah, Pirsani Damau. So we're actually going to talk about this because it's actually quite interesting. Let's say the wife goes ahead, right? So Ruben and Rachel are getting married. And Rachel is a Nida. She's a Nida under the Chuppah. And I was saying, obviously, if she's a Nida under the Chuppah, then what? Then obviously bia can't occur, right? We saw this before, Abosai. What do you do in a chupas nida, right? You have you ultimately again. We, we saw all of these cases already. Well, I mean, we'll talk about chupas nida as well. We spoke about nida, by the way, in the case of avelos, right? Avelos and nida we spoke about together. Look here, Rashi Pearson, nida three lines down from the top. Rashi says uperish mimena umes. Now the case we're talking about, Abosai, is like this. So Ruben's marrying Rachel. They're under the chuppah, right? So ultimately, nichnas al chuppah. So ultimately, they had chuppah. And then he died. Ruvain died. Now he died without what? He died without consummating the marriage. So now here's the shayla mau. Imtim selam archibas chuppah kona. Chuppah dechazi lebiya. Aval chuppah delo chazi lebiya lo. Al dilma loshna. So here's what's amazing. So obviously, so now what's the shayla? Ruvain and Rachel had chuppah. They had chuppah. There was no bia. Now Ruvain dies. So we'll say, what's the Shaila? The Shaila is, is Rachel entitled to Tosefes? So if you're going to say that it's Chibas Bia Kona, then obviously no Tosefes. But now you're going to something amazing. What happens if you hold Chibas Chupa Kona? Right, let's say accept that. But is it only a Chupa that is Ro'i Lebiya? Or even a chuppah that's not royal lebiya. I was about to say, even if we accept chibas chuppah, that is chuppah that creates the connection. Maybe it's only a chuppah where the chasen and kala know there's going to be bia afterwards. But maybe if it's a chuppah that can't lead to bia, i.e., she's a nida, maybe that does not engender the necessary level of heightened connection so as to entitle her to tosefes, to which the Gemara says, teku. Teku. So that stands. So that, that, that stands on both sides. Now, what's interesting to note is as follows. What's interesting is the Gemara here seems to indicate, and this is indeed how the Rambam Paskins, that halacha lamaisa, it is chibas chupa kona. That's how we paskin. That ultimately, again, when Rabbi Lanza ben Azariah says that as of Nisuin, there's a heightened level of connection 
which then allows the man to commit himself to Tosefes, that heightened level of connection is affected by Chuppah. Is affected by Chuppah. Now, one second, does it have to be a Chuppah Haray Lebiah or not a Chuppah Haray So that the Gemara says, take you, we're going we're to circle back to that Sugya. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Imrat Sakosei Lebisur. So we'll say next, next Sugya. So good. Halacha Lamaisa, again, now we know we pass like Abelazah ben Azariah. No Tanai Basin as of Erisin. Tanai Basin only kicks in as of Nisuin. And therefore, Ikra and Tosefes collectible as of Nisuin, like Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Even if a man committed himself to Ksuba during Erisin, that commitment only covers Ikr, does not cover Tosefes. Chibas, Chopa, Konak, is the high level of connection. Beautiful, beautiful. Says in Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda Omer, Ratza Lichtov Lipsula. So we'll say, Ratza Kosef Lipsula. So let's remember again, back in the Mishnah, what did Rabbi Huda say? Rabbi Huda says something very interesting. Rabbi Huda says, Ruvain's man Rachel. Ruvain's man Rachel. So what could happen over here, says Rabbi Huda, is Rachel could write back essentially a receipt. Right? So Ruben, Ra- this is the first marriage. So Ruvain's writing Rachel Aksuva for 200 Zos. Rabbi Huda said that Rachel could then write back a receipt that says, I have received 100 Zos from Ruvain. It's called a shover. She could write a receipt, even though, again, remember, she hasn't received anything from Ruvain, but she could write the receipt that she has received something and therefore that diminishes the amount that Ruvain owes. Says the Gemara of Asar, Rabbi Yehuda, the Kosev and Shover, does Rabbi Yehuda hold that we actually write a receipt? Is that how he holds? Vatanan, we learned, Misha para miktas chovo, if somebody repaid part of his debt. So we'll say, so this is now, this is a totally unrelated case. Here's the case. Ruvain, Ruvain lent money to Shimon. Ruve lent $10,000 to Shimon. Now, we'll say, now what happened? Shimon paid back $5,000. Okay, so now we'll say, what's, what's my problem? What's my problem? We only have a document that says that, Ruvain, that, I, that Shimon owes Ruvain $10,000. So what do we do now? Obviously, you can't just leave that document by itself because then Ruvain could potentially illegally collect again. So what do you do? So here we go. So this is what Rabbi Huda did. This Rabbi Huda, we write receipts. But now here we go. Misha par mixas chobo. If someone went ahead and write, Shimon paid back five thousand dollars of his ten thousand dollar debt. Rabbi Huda Omer Yachlif. Rabbi Huda says Yachlif. We'll say what is Yachlif? Can you take a look at Rashi? Three lines down from the top. Yachlif. Yichtov shtar acher kidei chov hanishar veyikra harishon velo yichtov shover laara koach halove sheisarich lishmor shover menachon. So what is incredible? Rabbi Huda says write up a new document. Literally again. Write up a new loan document. That means Yachlit means swap out a new document. I both say, why doesn't Rabbi Yehuda want you to write a receipt? Listen to this. Was, when you write a receipt, who's, who's responsible for the safeguarding of the receipt? The borrower. The borrower, remember again. I say, the lender has nothing to lose, right? Because remember, when you're writing a receipt, there are two documents in existence. What are the two documents in existence? Number one, the original loan document. What does the original loan document say? Ruvain lends Shimon $10,000. And then the second document in existence is a receipt. What does the receipt say? Shimon paid Ruvain $5,000. Who is vested? Who has the responsibility to hold on to the receipt? Shimon. So Rabbi Huda holds, it's not fair to place the onus like that on Shimon. It's not fair. Shimon now has the responsibility to hold on to that receipt. Because we'll say, what happens if Shimon loses the receipt? What happens? What happens? So we'll say, that's it. That's it. Now, Ruben can collect. 
the, the, right, the first $5,000 again. So Rabbi Huda says it would be unfair to place that burden upon Shimon, the borrower. Therefore, what do you do? Rip up the old star, rip up the old star, and go ahead and create a new star. Good. Rabbi Yossi Omer, no. Rabbi Yossi says, Yichtov lo shover. Rabbi Yossi says, no. Why should you go ahead and, and tear up the old star, right, and write up a new one? Just write a receipt. They will say, now watch this. Look at Rashi. It's, in, it's really incredible. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Yichtov shover. V'lo yachlif lahara koach hamalve limchol shibud mezar shavuot. This is incredible. Listen to this. He'll say, when you go ahead, so let's play this out. Let's, let's, let's go. So, right, Ruben goes ahead and lends Shimon $10,000 on, on the first of Av. On the first of Av. Right? Shimon now repays $5,000 of it on, on Aleph Elo, the first of Elo. So comes along Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda says, what do you do? What do you do? Right. Tear up the old star, write up a new one. Why? Because Rabbi Huda says it's not fair to place that burden on the borrower, then now he's going to have to go ahead and hold on to that receipt because if he doesn't hold on to the receipt, Reuven has a document that says he owes $10,000. Rabbi Yossi says, absolutely not. It's unfair to the borrower, I'm sorry, to the lender to tear up the old loan document and write a new one. Why are both sides? Watch this. When you write a loan do- new loan document on the first of Elo, right? The new loan document says, that Shimon only owes Ruvain $5,000. We'll say, what's the date on the new document? What's the date? Aleph Elo. And then for Abosai, the lien that Ruvain has against Shimon's property to collect the rest of the debt is as of Aleph Elo, which now means, which now means that Ruvain, the lender, just lost a month of encumbering the properties. In other words, and that puts a lender at a tremendous disadvantage. Because let's say over the course of Elul, over the course of Elul, sorry, over the course of Av, Shimon sold properties. So fine, that's not a problem. Ruvain has a document that is dated Aleph Av, the first of Av. So any sales that Shimon made between Av and Elul, should Shimon default, Ruben could go and extract that from buyers. So comes along Rabbi Yossi and says, if you go ahead and you tear up that loan document and make a new document with today's date, you have undermined and eroded the power of the lender. So I will say, this is absolutely incredible. Here's what it comes down to. Someone is going to be put at a disadvantage. Right, someone. Right? If, if, right, if you go ahead and you write a receipt and you keep this old loan document. So again, so the lender has the benefit of the old lien, and now the borrower is disadvantaged. Why? Why? He's got to hold on. He's got to. He's got to make sure that he constantly holds on to the to the receipt. And if you tear up the document and write up a brand new document, then borrower Barchin doesn't have to look at a receipt. Doesn't have to hold the receipt. But but lender now lost all of that encumbrance time between the time of the first document and the second document. So I'll say it's an incredible, it's an incredible thing. So my cloak is if someone's going to have to be put at a disadvantage. I'm sorry? Who's going to be both? How would it be both? Oh, good. good. Dr. Buck is a man of shalom, right? A man of shalom, right? Let everyone suffer, right? Let everyone suffer, good. Which is kind of where we're going to go with this, right? right? But, but, but again, 
look, I did, you know, I'll point out, obviously, you see, like, the Machlokas is, if we don't have to make, put everyone at a disadvantage, right, so let's not, so just point out, here, here's the tension, here, it's fascinating, here's the tension, so I'll say, so this is the Machlokas, so I'll say, by the way, I just want to point out for our purposes, just so you know where we're going with this, so we have a contradiction, because Rabbi Hudin, our Mishnah, Rabbi Hudin, our Mishnah said that what? We do write receipts. We do write receipts, right? Reuven gives Rachel a, a, a suv of 200 zos, right? Rachel can write a receipt that says, I received 100 zos. So according to Rabbi Mishnah, we do write receipts. Rabbi Huda over here in this case, in this Mishnah, ultimately of the loan says, we don't write receipts. So what's going on over here? So which thing So Amr Rabbi Yirmiya, Kishe Shavarta Mitocha. So we'll say, so kind of in line with what Dr. Buck was saying, what, there's another way of writing a receipt. You could write a receipt in the loan document itself. In other words, we're both saying, see, we're looking at a receipt as a separate independent document. No, just go ahead, I will say, in the loan document itself, write the receipt, notarize the receipt, right? In other words, you know, initial the receipt. So even though you have a loan document that says, Ruven lent Shimon $10,000 on the first of half, okay, on the bottom, on the side of that document, you wrote, and on the first of Elul, Ruvain repaid $5,000 of the debt. Beautiful. So that way you kind of have your cake and eat it too. This way, again, Ruvain the lender, Ruvain the lender has the lien as of the first of Av, right? But Shimon the borrower doesn't have to worry about holding on to a shoulder. He doesn't, because always remember again, who holds on to a loan document in general? Holds on to a loan document? The lender, right? The lender, obviously, because he wants to collect his money. So this way, again, it's on the lender. It's on the lender. But the shover, the receipt, is right there in the document itself. Beautiful. Abayam Rabbi says, I feel it. So I'll say that, that's, that's, that's Rabbi Yirmiya's approach, right? And, that's, and that's, that's why, again, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda in our Mishnah, Rabbi Huda in our Mishnah, ultimately, again, so yeah, so Kishor Shavar to be good. So I'll say, so the Gemara says, Abayam Rabbi says, I feel it. Tembishayin Shavar to be even if the receipt is not written in the document itself. So, Bishlama Hasam Vadai Peroi. Dilma Mirkas Tavarta Umapik Leishtara Vahadar Gabi Zimna Achrina. Sirabo say, in the case of where there was an actual loan, I understand why we are concerned, or Rabbi Huda is concerned about writing, writing, uh, writing a receipt. What I both say, because again, there's a real fear. What could happen in the case of a receipt? Here, Shimon paid back $5,000. You're writing a receipt. Now, it's Shimon's responsibility to hold on to the receipt. And we'll say, what happens if Shimon loses the receipt? Really, like, what happens if he loses the receipt? What happens? Ruben could collect again. And we'll say, Shimon has no recourse. Okay, I, maybe he could produce witnesses, but Lamaisa, he has no, he has no documental recourse, right? Lamaisa, he lost, and that's a real concern. So I understand why Rabbi Yehuda doesn't want a receipt written. Rabbi Yehuda just wants a new document written. So the Gemara says, Hacha, Hacha, Vada Yavla. So we'll say, in our case over here in the Mishnah, in the Mishnah, we'll say, what's happening over here? Right? Ruven's writing Rachel Aksuba. Has Ruven given Rachel anything? Has he given her anything? No. no. Right? Let's remember again, when is Ksuba payable? When is Ksuba payable? Upon death or divorce. Right? So, so Ruvain hasn't given her anything. Vada, so the Gemara says, Hacha, Vada Yoevla Milsa Ba'amahi. He hasn't given her anything. The only thing that's happening over here, both says, an exchange of documents and exchange of words. So the Gemara says, Milsa Da'amahi, Da'amra Lei, Inatre Natre, Ilo Natre, Iu Demasia Nafshe. 
They both say, in the case of the Mishnah, the truth is, the husband is not giving anything, right? And therefore, again, I both say, it could be that Rabbi Huda says, we have absolutely no problem putting the onus on him. In other words, look, Ruben, you're getting married, you owe your wife a Okay, she's willing to forgive part of that ksuba. That's fine. No money has exchanged hands over here. She's going to write you a receipt. You know what? She's doing you a favor. Yeah, we'll place the onus of responsibility on you. She'll write you a receipt that says she received the hundreds of And yeah, the burden is upon you. And so if you lose that receipt, if you lose that receipt, then what? She's going to collect the full ksuba from you or from your estate. So also, what you're suggesting over here, is that Lamaisab? This is what Abai is suggesting. Abai is suggesting there's a distinction in the cases. You see, in the case where Reuben lent Shimon $10,000 and Shimon paid back $5,000, there's a real concern that if you write a receipt and Shimon loses the receipt, that Shimon is going to be on the hook for money he does not owe. And if Rabbi Huda says, that's too much, we'll just write up a Nushtar. In the case of the Mishnah both said, there's no money changing hands. There's a commitment. She's doing him a tova. I'm very she's doing him a favor. I'll forgive part of the ksuba. Fine. She's doing you a favor. Yeah. The burden rests upon you to hold on to the shorah, to hold on to the receipt. And Rabbi Huda has no problem taking that approach. Interesting. So Bishlam Abayi Lo'amar Ki Rabbi Yirmiya. So I understand why Abayi does not hold it Rabbi Yirmiya. So as Rabbi Yirmiya wanted to say, it's a case of where you wrote the ksuba, the 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 Received in the document. So the Gemara says, Lo, so the Gemara says, Bishlama Abai Lomar Krabirmiya, Lo Katani Shavarta Mitocha. The Mishnah doesn't make any mention of writing the receipt in the Ksuba. Others both say there's no mention of that in the Mishnah. So because there's no explicit mention of that, it's hard to believe that that's what the Mishnah means. El Rabirmiya, my time Lomar Kabaye. So why doesn't Rabirmiya accept Abaye's distinction? between our case in the Mishnah and the case of lending money. So to which the Imar says, Gzeira, Shover Dahacha, Atu Shover Da'alma. So we'll say, in general, it could very well be that Rabbi Yirmiya is concerned, right? Rabbi Yirmiya is concerned that if we allow you to write a Shover in this case, you'll come to what? Write a Shover in different cases as well. And Lamai said, that's concerning for us. Because Rabbi say, remember again, I hear you, by the way, the logic to allow a shover in our Mishnah is very compelling logic, right? Because at the end, of the, I understand writing a receipt places a, a, an overwhelming ongoing burden on the borrower. In this case, by the ksuva, the borrower or the debtor is the husband. I, I, I understand that. But Lamaisa, in the case of the Mishnah, where she's just doing him a favor, good, let the burden be upon him. That, that's fine. That's fine. She's doing you a favor. Let the burden be upon you. Versus a case of Reuven and Shimon where Shimon's borrowing money. And literally, again, if he loses the shover, if he loses the shover, ultimately, again, he's going to potentially be on the hook to repay money he already repaid previously. I understand why he don't. So I will say, but Rabbi is just concerned that Lamaisa, if we allow you to go ahead and write a shover in one case, you'll come to write the shover in another case as well. Interesting. To which the Gemara says, time of the Kasvala, They both say, furthermore, the shover works in this case. Why? Because it's written. Because it's written, aval al lo. See, I will say, what's interesting about this? It's interesting about this is verbal forgiveness doesn't work. That's what it sounds like for the Mishnah, right? The case in the Mishnah is she's writing, right? Husband gives, right? Reuben gives Rachel a and Rachel gives back in writing a receipt. I have received 100 zuz of my ksuva, which sounds like verbal forgiveness by itself will not work. 
To which the Gemara says, Amai, Davashar Mamunu. But why did I say this is a monetary stipulation? And Rabbi said, We've seen according to Rabbi Huda that if you want to forgive a monetary right that is due to you, you have the ability to verbally forgive. Where do we learn this? This Sanyu, listen to this. Ha'omer li Yisha, a man says to a woman, Hare'at mikudeshes li amanah she'in lachalai sherk susva'ona. Interesting marital arrangement, right? A man says to a woman, become mikudeshes li on the condition that you have no claim against me for food, clothing, or intimacy. Ha'rezu mikudeshes, it works. Utinah bottle. And I will say, your tonight's bottle. See, I will say, this is a classic case of what we call Masna Amasha Kasov Batora. If you make a tonight which runs contrary to Torah law, your tonight is bottle. The tonight is what, which makes sense. You can't make a condition that runs contrary to previously established biblical law. So a man says to his wife, let's get married on the condition that you have no claim against me for share, ksus, and ona. That's fine, you're married, and the tonight is bottle. Tonight is bottle. Now we'll say, watch this. Div Rabbi Meir, this is Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Bedavar Shebemamon, Tanao Kayim. So we'll say, interesting, Rabbi Yehuda says, the Tanai is only partially bottle. When it comes to intimacy, that's not a monetary issue, therefore that's a biblical right. And Allah again, the Tanai is bottle. But when it comes to sharing ksus, food and clothing, which ultimately, again, is a monetary thing, if a woman is willing to forgive the monetary rights due to her, then what? She has a right to do so. I will say, by the way, there would be good reasons for a woman to do this. Because the mice remember again, in the, in the, because a husband gives his wife clothing and food, he gets certain entitlements from her, like her earnings. Let's say a woman has a career, she's fabulously wealthy. She doesn't want her husband to have, she, does, she loves her husband very much, but like, I, I'm happy to take care of my own financial needs. So she could forgive Sharon Ksus. Thank you very much, but I, I don't I don't I don't need it. That's what Rabbi Huda holds. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Huda Bidavar Shamamu Tnokayim. So we'll say, so therefore you see according to Rabbi Huda that a woman can forgive certain financial rights, and it sounds like what? She could forgive them even what? Even verbally. To which the Gemara says, Rabbi Huda Ksuva Dirabanan. So it was very interesting. Rabbi Huda holds that although Ksuvas Dirabanan, right, Chazal made a Ksuva very machmer. Well, almost like a Daraisa. Almost like a Daraisa. And therefore, again, Chazal said the only way for a woman to go ahead and forgive her Ksuva entitlements is how? Is how? To go ahead and put it in writing. I, the Gemara of Ahari Peros Tirabanan, for the Abdullahu Rabbanan the Chizuk, yet again, a husband's entitlements to Peros, which means that if a woman brings in Nechse Malog, she brings in property into a marriage, although she retains title, he gets the rights of usage, to which the Gemara says, and yet we Chazal were not Machmir on that. This Nan, Rabbi Huda Omer, the Olam who Ochal Peri Peros, Achi Yichtov La Din Udvarim Eli Benechsayich. So I a husband eats Peri Peros. Peri Peros also means, Let's say she takes the produce of her land, sells it, and purchases new land. He's allowed to get benefit from that new land. He, so she has rights in it until until he writes to her. And the said, "What does it mean when it says he writes? Writes doesn't mean writes. Oh, rather, my kosev." Omer. Rather, I will say, Kosev means say. In other words, I will say, what do you see? Once again, you could forgive, you could forgive financial entitlements verbally. It doesn't have to be written. 
So why is it that Rabbi Huda and I just want to say again, we're focused on one very simple thing over here. Rabbi Huda in our Mishnah says that what? If Ruvain marries Rachel and gives her a ksuva, and Rachel wants to forgive part of her ksuva, what does she do? What does she do? She writes a receipt back to Ruvain. I have received a hundred zoz of my ksuva. So the Maishinabon said the Gemara is hung up on this idea. Why does it have why does she have to write it? Why does she have to write it? Right? In other words, that Lamaisa, why can't she just verbally forgive it? So the Gemara is bringing examples of, of, of financial entitlements that could be forgiven verbally and don't need a written vehicle for forgiveness. So the Gemara says, Rabaye, la kol yish ksuva. So I'm going to say, here's for example, a husband is entitled to peros. Husband is entitled to literally, again, the usage of his wife's property. If he wants to forgive that right, how does he forgive that right? Or how can he forgive that right? Verbally. Verbally. So you see that when it comes to a financial entitlement, it can be forgiven verbally without a written, without a written instrument. Tuition is not a good example. Here's the difference. Every woman is entitled to ksuba, but not every single husband gets peros. Now, what does it mean not every single husband gets peros? Peros is a function of what? Function of what? Property. Let's see if a woman who doesn't bring property into a marriage. It definitely happens. So the mice obviously, if there's no property, so ultimately there's no payros. So that's why it could very well be payros is not a fixture in a marriage. It's not a fixture in a marriage. So the mice perhaps that's why it can be verbally forgiven. Ksuva is a fixture in a marriage. So maybe something that's a fixture can only be forgiven in writing. Ultimately, as something that is common. Ultimately, again, the rabbis solidified their law. In this case, the solidification of rabbinic law is that halacha lamaisa, just saying something verbally is not enough. You're going to have to put it into writing. Saying that is not as common, i.e. peros, Chazal did not feel the need to go ahead and strengthen it by requiring you to forgive it in writing. Okay, let's bring up another case. Hari chamarim. I will say, what about the case of donkey drivers? So this is actually an interesting case. We've actually seen this before. So the Gemara says, This is a common case. And ultimately, again, Chazal, we're not machmir in this case. And I will say, ultimately, again, what's, what's the case? Look at it, here we go. If donkey drivers entered into the city, so we've actually seen this case before. Seen this case before, just a few weeks ago. So the says, "It's not." Hachamarsh nechnosulir. Donkey drivers entered into the city. Ve'amar echad mehen shali chadash v'shalchaveri yashan. Supposed to listen to this. So the interesting case. Right, two donkey drivers walk into the city. So driver A says, "Listen, you know what? My produce is new. My friend's is old." Now, Bosi Rashi points out over here, older produce is better. You see, we think about old produce as as you know spoiled. In this case, we're talking more about grain where the moisture is gone, right? So because the moisture is gone, therefore, again, there's la- less, less possibility of rottage. Rottage? Is that a word? Spoilage. 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 Thank you. Spoilage. So the Gemara says, so now, what happens over here? So the two, right, the, two, the, two, the two donkey drivers come in. So you have one saying, oh, you know what? My stuff is good. My friend's is better. Or, right? My, my produce has not been tied but my friend's produce has been tithed. They're not believed. They will say, why are they not believed? So there's a concept, ultimately, again, of Rashi points out over here, of chayshinon legomlin. We are concerned about reciprocity. In other words, they will say, that's what? This is, uh, what's the word? This is, uh, 
it's a setup. It's a conspiracy, right? They, they agreed amongst themselves before we go into the town. Listen, right? Right? You, 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 you say your stuff is not good. And my friend, tell, tell everybody my friend's stuff is good. In the next town, I'll say my stuff is not good. My friend's stuff is good. And that's how they, that's how they conduct business going town to town. In Ne'amonim. Rabbi Hud Omer Ne'amonim. Rabbi Huda says, ultimately, again, they are Ne'amonim. Shabbos Rabbi Hud is of the opinion that we're not, we're not concerned that there's a conspiracy, right? That there's a subterfuge over here. So here we go. Amr Abaye. So, so now I want to point out something interesting over here. Now remember, chamorim, right? Donkey drivers are assumed to be amihaaretz. Rabbi whenever you deal with the produce of an amihaaretz, what is that called? What is that called? Demai. Rabbi So what do you see? Or something very interesting. That now demai is dirabanon. Demai is dirabanon. Yet you see that according to Rabbi Huda. Chazal, Chazal, lo asu chizuk ledivrehem. We're not machmir with dine drabanon. So according to Rabbi Huda, ultimately again, when the don- so just want to point out when the donkey drivers come in, donkey driver A, senior donkey driver A says my produce is not tithed, but my friend donkey driver B, his produce is is tithed. Rabbi Huda says what? We listen to them. We listen to them. Now one second. So remember again, let's take a step back, right? Let's bring this all together. What, what, are, we tra- remember, what are we trying to, what are we doing here? All right, right. It's, it's a good question, right? We can ask that question every morning. What am I doing here? So again, we, we are rooted in a Mishnah. In our Mishnah, Rabbi Huda says, Rabbi marries Rachel. Rachel wants to forgive half of her ksuba. How does Rachel forgive half of her ksuba? How does she do it? How does she do it? In writing. In writing with the shoulder. Meaning what? She cannot do it verbally. Why can't she do it verbally? So if we bring this all down, because essentially, even though Ksuva is Dirabanon, Chachamim Asu Chizuk Lidivrehem. Chazal were Machmir when it comes to their own law. And therefore Chazal said, with the Ksuva, that's a fixture. The only way to forgive it is in writing. That's what I'm saying. That, that's the phrase. Asu Chachamim Chazal were machmir with their laws. That's Rabbi Huda. One second. So we'll say here I now have another case of rabbinic law. What's the case of rabbinic law I'm dealing with over here? Demai. Demai. Right? Two donkey drivers come in. A says, my produce is not tithe, but my friend's B is tithe. Rabbi Huda says, you could believe him. Really? Rabbi Huda, you just said when it comes to rabbinic law, we have to be machmir. Demai is rabbinic law. Based on that, we should be machmir over here as well. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Amra Baye, here we go. Vadai the divrayim of Durabon and Chizuk. Sophic the divrayim lo of Durabon and Chizuk. I will say there's a big distinction. There's a big distinction. When Rabbi Huda says that Lamaisa, we are machmir with rabbinic law. I will say, what cases of rabbinic law? What cases of rabbinic law? Definitive cases of rabbinic law. With Demai, I will say, what is Demai? I want to say, at the end of the day, when you look at the tithe of an Ama Aretz, how should you really look at the tithe? How do you look at it? What do you see when you look at... When, I'm sorry. What do you see when you look at the produce of an hour? What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? What you really see is produce that is most probably tithed. Right? Chazal were machmir. that he didn't do it. But Lamaisa, the statistical probability is that he did it. Is that he did it. But Lamaisa were machmir. Shabbos says, the Gemara says, it's a suffix. 
It's a suffix. So when are Hazal Machmir about their law? In the case of Badai. But in the case of Suffolk, they're not Machmir. Sefer Avosai. So therefore, what comes out over here, according to Rabbi Yehuda, is that Halokha Lama ultimately, again, she can write the Shover. Right? She can go and write, she can go ahead and write the receipt. And it's only in this case of definitive rabbinic law that Asu Chacham Chizuk that Chazal or Machmir, don't allow her to forgive her Ksuva verbally and require something in writing. But that idea that Chazawar Machmir on their laws is only in a case of definitive rabbinic law, not in a case of Suffolk like Demai. Incredible, incredible. Bosse, let's go weiter. Rabbi Meir, we're going to see Halacha how we pass in, in Ksuva forgiveness at the end of the next Sogyo. Rabbi Meir, Omer Kalapok, he said, we'll say, the Mishnah ended off with Rabbi Meir. What did Rabbi Meir say? Any man who diminishes the Ksuva of his wife, ultimately, again, it's a Be'ilas Znos. It's immorality. Now, what, what does that mean? Says the Gemara, here we go. Kolapoches, afilu bitna. So we'll say, listen to this. According to Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir seems to be saying that Lamaisa, Lamaisa, even if you diminish your wife's ksuva with her consent, right? Afilu bitna, look at Rashi. Kolapoches, afilu bitna. this is your ksuva. This is your ksuva. On the right, this, or I should say, I'm marrying you. I'm marrying you on the condition that I'm only giving you a hundred zuz for your ksuva. That's what he says. Ruben's married Rachel. She's a besula. I'm marrying you. Right? I'm marrying you on the condition that you only have a ksuva claim against me for a hundred zuz. What's that, Lacha? What's that, Lacha? They're married. And what does she have? What does she have? A 200 Zuz Ksuva. So the boss said, this is fascinating. So the Gemara says, Afilu betino, ama kasavar tino batal, the isla. So the remember again, when you make a Tanai that runs contrary to the Torah law, ultimately your Tanai is batal. The boss said, but watch this. The chivan da amra la leslach elamana lo samcha daita vahavila bi'ilas zno. So the said, now watch what's happening over here where this will have to stop. So the Maisa, the concern over here is as follows. Even though the Tanai is batal, even though the Tanai is batal, Right, Lamaisa, Lamaisa, since she only thinks that she has a 100 Zuz, she's Ksuba, she's not fully comfortable with the marriage, and therefore it is a Be'ilas Zuz. So, well, sorry, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up Amir Hashem with this. I'm sorry we didn't get too far on, uh, on Ahmed Bey's on today, but all right, well, well, it'll equal out. There's a short path in like the next four weeks. Amir Hashem will catch up. Let's say, Shkoya, we'll stop here for today. Incredible so get ahead of us tomorrow. A great day. I'm going to have you. All right, everyone have a great day.